Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Emerging Nine Golf Podcast. I'm Mike here with McLean and Jay again, back for another episode on our typical Monday night. How are you boys doing? Great, man. Yeah, happy Monday. Great. It's great. It's Monday. Great I just realized I just realized I said good evening, and it's good evening for us, but people could be listening to this in the morning. I wasn't so. going to point that out, but it definitely picked up. Yeah. I definitely oh, well, you know. It's all good. Yeah, it happens. It, it happens. So okay, look, by good year day. three, we're around this day. thing down, guys. Yeah, we're getting there. It's only worth this is episode 67, so we're still trying to work out the kinks. <laughs> 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 the, definitely not podcast professionals by any means. So you're stuck with us. Um I think this is going to be a really a really short segment. What's everyone drinking? <laughs> I'm still on the water. I'm doing it, man. I'm sticking to it, even though I've hurt myself at the gym today. I mean, McClane? who does that? Like, yeah. You already know Corona Light. Corona Light. Jay's drinking water, <laughs> and and I'm I'm on water too tonight. It's uh. You had a big. You had a big. I, I would have to slur by myself. Well, I just. <laughs> Well, I, I just guys told you guys off air about the uh, day drinking turn of the night drinking yesterday for Mother's Day, celebrating all the wonderful mothers out there. I did it in honor of them. And I, I got I got a big week, too. It's a long, long week at the foundry. We got member guests this weekend. So it's uh, a lot of days, long hours. Feel like I need to just recharge and rest. So, yeah, two of us are on water tonight and McLean's kind of on water. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> It's 90 calorie water, 99 calorie water. What's, what's the alcohol? Four and a half percent on that? Four. 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 Yeah. So. Yeah. Corona extra is 4.6. Light is 4.0. He's got it all down to the 10. Yeah. So how many of those do you need to drink as opposed to Corona's? So seven I, of those. I'd rather not say in a public format. <laughs> seven of those versus five and a half of the Corona regular. Or is it more than that? Is it double that? <laughs> yeah, four or five J's. I'm starting to really feel it. He's. he's so I gotta take. I take it pretty easy. He's pleading the fifth on this. As he gets up to go get another one, As he, he finishes the one in his hand and then goes and gets another. <laughs> he doesn't wait till it's empty. He just waits till it's low, and then he. That's when he knows to go. Yeah. I'll finish this one on the way to get the new one. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine walking over there empty-handed? What kind of science is that? <laughs> uh, you were you were feeling good last week, especially towards the end. Um, yeah, no, I, I I listened. I was I was dying <laughs> laughing. I loved it. I was gonna. It have, was pretty funny. I was gonna have a bourbon. I was actually thinking about having a bourbon or thinking about something. I'm like, dude, you heard yourself last week. Just have a couple <laughs> beers. Take it easy, pal. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Take it easy. Um, all right, let's let's get in a little uh, little golf talk here. We had the Wells Fargo this weekend, and just some really shit weather for May at TPC Potomac Avenel Farm. Max Homa is your winner, second time winning the Wells Fargo. Although wasn't that TPC Potomac the last time he won it? Was that Quill Hollow? And uh, yeah, Max Homa, sneaky has three wins since February of last year. It's a lot more than some big names in the world of golf. No, he, he's yeah. been playing well. And the thing that I found interesting when he won his first of three, it was kind of breakthrough for him. I mean, it was, it, I, I won't say his breakthrough as his first win, but it was kind of a breakthrough in terms of 
feeling comfortable again. And a lot of it stemmed from the videos and everything that he was doing on Twitter, roasting everyone's swings. It was like all of a sudden he had some, I don't know the best way to say it, but ultimately it allowed him to generate confidence. Also, after listening last week, ultimately is now one of my words that you have to stop me from saying it's that's getting out of hand. Absolutely out of hand. Um, what was the other, what was the other fake word you made up last week? You had, trouble saying, one? you had trouble saying extensively. I remember that one. I had to correct you. You said like extently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back, to Max to right now. <laughs> back to Max Homa. Back to Max He <laughs> something I swear happened, and there's a correlation with the videos. Um, when he was roasting everyone swings on Twitter, all of a sudden he started gaining some notoriety and some popularity from it. And it was like all of a sudden it gave him kind of a comfort factor to where he was able to go back and, and focus on playing some golf, whether it be comfort factor from other pros, comfort factor from having something else that you're 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 doing is taking your mind off of it i'm not sure what it was but it was like all of a sudden he started getting all these twitter videos out there it started becoming quite a quite a big thing and all of a sudden you started to see him play well also i mean i think it was something to where could be some crowd interaction involved with it i'm not it would be tough for me to you know quantify it to an exact point but i think it is uh there's something there yeah i mean you know so he wins wells fargo in 2000 um which was a 19, 18 that season. I guess it was, so it'd be 2019 um, at Quill hollow. And then, you know, goes a year without winning and then wins Riviera last year, goes to the fall wraparound series this year, wins the first event of the year, the 40 net out in, God, where was that? Was it like Napa area? I think. Yeah. yeah. Northern California. Yep. And then, then wins this. So he's winning on some uh, Napa was pretty easy, but he's winning on some good, tough golf courses. I thought TPC Potomac showed great on TV. It's always been tough. We talked about that last week. Quail Hollow's tough. Riviera's tough. He doesn't, if you look at his finishes though, he has very few top fives in his career other he's than either wins or- <laughs> he either wins or like he now he's like a top 25 machine the last couple of years he makes a ton of cuts but it's like the times that he has a chance when he's when he's sniffing in contention he gets it done or he's just kind of hanging out back there at 15 20 25th spot um but yeah i mean i i've i've always personally liked max home it's hard not to you know the social media stuff alone just if you did ever just listen to an interview with him and i've listened to a couple of his interviews on podcast he's just a humble down to earth kind of has it in perspective he's like dude my life's great i'm playing golf for a living and like gets it. you know he just gets it and is um i don't know i just like him as a person his golf swing is money and it's just it's just fun to watch he just uh he's got his best friend on the golf bag as his caddy you know so i don't know it's just it's good good stuff from him yeah, ditto. I, I think he's funny. I think he's hilarious. I, like you said, the, all those, all the roasting, the golf swings, it's there. I know he has time to like formulate an opinion. It's not like it's on the spot, but they're super funny. Like, I mean, I, I think wish that's he slowed down quite it. a bit. Yeah, he doesn't do it as much anymore. I wish he would do more. But he's winning golf tournaments now, so I can see why he probably backed off of it. It must, be, yeah. must have been the right, the right mixture. Well, and Jay, not going back to beat a dead horse again. 
but exactly what you're saying, you know, all of a sudden he starts roasting all of these players on Twitter and even at tournaments. Now all of a sudden you have fans that are coming out and are, are seeing you and engaging with you in a totally different yeah. way than they have before. And to yeah. me, that would, that would provide somewhat of a comfort factor that would allow me that little bit of a, a, a distraction to where I'm not focusing on, I'm just out here just grinding. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. If you've got some other Avenue, that's, that's giving you some popularity. Like you said, it's going to give him some confidence and regardless of how he played. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if that was the spark to kind of give him the confidence. And then once he backed off of it, that's when he's, I don't know if the focus is right or, or what, but he's, I mean, like you said, in the last year, he's got three wins roughly in the last year. So it's pretty, pretty damn good. It's crazy. You go back and you look at his 2016-17 season on the PGA Tour. He played in 17 events and he missed 15 cuts. Loses his card, obviously. Gets it back two years later and then wins. So he wins at, at Wells Fargo. And he started off that year T60, cut, 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 cut. After oh, yeah. he finally gets his card back in... What was that? One, two, three, four, five. He misses six of the first seven cuts. So then he really, I mean, right of the ship. And then he started making a bunch after that. Got his game in order. Wins at Wells Fargo. So it's kind of remarkable how, I mean, that could crush some people. Having that kind of, you know, basically a, a massive failure getting your card and, and missing that many cuts. Made $18,000. <laughs> Yeah, it's so frustrating. You're just like, why can't you know? Why can't I do this right now? It's nothing's changed. Like, there's different players playing, but you're still playing similar golf courses. I mean, they arguably may be a little bit tougher than Web.com, but not to the point where he was shooting those scores and missing all those cuts in a row. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's what, it's such a it's such a you know a mental battle. You know, it's like once you feel comfortable or like you you're in your right in the right place, it's like, okay, now I can just play golf, you know, um, easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. And you look at his stats. I mean, other than around the green, he's just solid 16th off the, uh, off the tee 25th approach the green putting he's 29th tee to green 27th total 13th. He's 134 in around the green. So short game, not great. And I know he went through a little bit of a spell. They were talking about it uh, with his putter earlier this year, just not uh, rolling it very well. But I mean, hell, you top 30 putter on the tour. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've always thought he doesn't have, it doesn't seem like he has a major weakness when I watch him. He just does everything pretty steady. I guess pretty he's now, now making a lot of cuts too, right? And he yeah. can just put it, all, put it all together one week and and win. And then he just goes back to top 20, top 25, top 22, whatever it is. So, Machine. um, I put this in our show notes. So you on your president's cup team as of right now? I mean, today, like the way he's playing right now, if it were in like in a couple of weeks, I'd say, yeah. Where's he right currently? Do we have that stat nearby? I'm pulling it up right now. I think I, I was looking at it earlier this afternoon. I think he is sixth currently. Uh, they're, they're doing the same thing that the Ryder cup team did. So the top six automatically qualify with six captain's picks. So right now it goes Scotty Scheffler, Cantlay, Sam Burns, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Max Homa. Then you go Spieth, Xander, Taylor Gooch, Tom Hoagie, 10th, Coke Racks, 11th. He won't be eligible. Uh, Billy Horschel, 12th. 
but you look at it, I mean, we, we just came off a historic Ryder Cup performance, just beat the bag out of the Europeans. But a lot of these guys that were on that team aren't playing well, right? You're like, oh, I'll just have that team again. But Finau, not playing well. Dustin Johnson's not playing well. DeChambeau's hurt. Haven't really heard much from Berger in a couple months. It's, you know, there's going to be some, definitely some, some, uh, what's his name? Harris English is hurt. Definitely some different names will be playing in the President's Cup than just last year at the Ryder yeah. Cup. Well, I think without question, given the situation that he's on the team, I mean, he's he's healthy and playing well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if he can just keep kind of steady the without next question. few months, I think he, he might even just make it on the on top six in points. Um, yeah. Although it is pretty bunched up here as you look at the points yeah. between like... if he's Even if he finishes in the top 10 i feel like the that those six captains picks are basically reserved for like a situation like with patrick reed say he, this guy is like about to qualify seventh on the uh, this wasn't the exact exact situation but say a guys top these seven on the list and he you know hurts his wrist or something the day before or a week before it gives him the option to like kind of mosey on down that list bypass someone people i would imagine if he's in the top 10 he's going to get picked if he unless he's like has to miss like six cuts straight or something weird like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably looking at one through 10 are going to really essentially going to be in. And then the last couple are really where the selections yeah. come into play. But yeah, I think he'd be good on a team. I mean, I think I, I have to imagine he's one of the more well-liked guys out there. You see him on social media, um, you know, joking around with Kisner and Thomas and some of these guys. And, um, you know, like Taylor Gooch, who's, Number nine is his best friend on tour. And so I think a lot of guys would want to play with him. And you got a guy with no major, no major flaw. It's easy to put into different, different pairings yeah. and different formats and, yeah. and, and feel comfortable. Um, yeah. Comfortable with him. Yeah. I'm sure he'll do, I'm sure he'll do well if, if and when he, when he gets in. Like you said, just, just super consistent all the way through. So that's, that's a good combo for, for that format. Uh, what did you guys make of the course this week? I mean, it's tough uh, to say given the conditions. I mean, it was yeah, it, I thought the conditions were tough. Yeah, I don't know that we. The, I don't know that the course was even at its best given how wet it was. Yeah, um, I think it's obviously a tough golf course, but I don't know that you could make a fair assessment given um, the weather. I I would love to see it, and again, you, you're definitely right. From what I remember a few years ago with the uh, was it the Quicken Loans and then this year, it, it shows well on TV. It looks like some really interesting holes. Like it's good tournament golf, especially for the professionals. I would love to see them get, I don't know, it just seemed a little bit more interesting than some like, like the course we're going to watch this week. Um, yeah, 2,500 par. Yeah. Yeah. You I know. Mean, any, anytime you put the, put the best players in the in the world on a really difficult golf course, a championship style, championship style golf course like that. And, and then you throw the conditions in there. We just get to see them do, do some things with the golf ball that we don't normally see them do. I, I think not in a good way. I mean, you see him hit some shots and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> why did he hit that? Not knowing how difficult the golf course is, you know, the spectator yeah. just watching from home, they're like, Oh, he just hit that. That was a bad shot. And you're like, well, if you, if you were there playing that golf course, you'd see why he hit that shot. But uh, nonetheless, it's still entertaining to to watch them. Not that I want to see them struggle, but to watch them 
you know, work their way through a, a golf course. Just like have that. to think, not just, think their way a little yeah. bit more. It's not just driver, you know, eight iron or nine iron to 15 feet, two putter, bank of birdie, and then go to the next level. It's like no real chance for them to make any bogeys. Like this week is it's going to play easy. Well, I think one of the things that played a huge factor this week, and I, I read a quote from his caddy, it's how well you play in bad weather. Max Homa's caddy, uh, I read his quote, basically said that he's basically an anti-umbrella guy. So he he he's comfortable out there. Yeah, he I won't say comfortable. That's not the right word to use, but he he's gritty. Not, he, not he's bothered. A, he's a great. Yeah, he's not bothered as much as the other guys. guys would be. I, I can promise you it's pouring and the weather's like that it's cold windy now i'm i'm gonna play bad i'm, I'm probably gonna try to change my flight to friday afternoon first chance i get <laughs> carve me out a couple of hockey sticks and get home to florida as soon as possible uh it looked miserable it watching did. it was miserable so i don't know that we got a fair test from not only the golf course but even the players because that to me what max homas and especially reading that he's an anti-umbrella guy from his caddy that to me, that's probably worth three to five shots over the course of four rounds against the field of just being able to deal with the weather. I, it, it would be tough to say that the best player won this week, not saying he didn't, but it's tough to say that it, it all came down to the best players on their absolute A game without a ton of outside interference. Now, the outside agencies we know exist, and that's something that's a part of the game, but anyone who's played competition golf in shit weather it is, uh, it's as, it's the least fun you can have playing golf. Yes, absolutely. Jay, you are on mute, my friend. How is he an anti-umbrella guy? Like, I don't even, how does that I, even work? I've never heard of it, but it I can probably use he one. doesn't mind getting wet. So I, this is actually fitting because this was at the second stage of Q school, uh, the last year that I was playing. And it was the, I think it was the, it was probably the first round and it was supposed to be a high of 40 and rain. And I'm like, what that, how, it's like, how does, how do you, how do you even play golf in something like that? <laughs> so needless to say, my caddy <clears throat> was the night before. And I was like, we need to go to Dick's and like get some stuff here. And he's like, dude, come see, on. See don't be yeah. He's like, don't be a wuss. He's like, and I was like, well, I went, I'm, you need a rain jacket. I got one of those. Those, uh, whatever they call it, like the ski masks. I was like, yeah. it's good blowing, like it's supposed to blow like 10 to 15, uh, high of 40 and rain. I was like, I'm getting all the layers I could get. And he's making fun of me. And I was like, look, I'm gonna buy you this Columbia rain jacket because you, you're gonna need it. <laughs> and the next day, he had that jacket and it had a, he pulled the hood up and pulled the string down. So I could only see his nose and his eyes. I mean, he was miserable. I said, you still need that jacket? He's like, oh, my God, dude, if you did not get this jacket, he's like, I was going to walk in. You're going to carry your own bag. Um, but, but I mean, it was so brutal. And I was, I remember going out there. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to fight. It's going to rain all day. I'm not going to fight going up and down with my umbrella. And I was like, I'm just going to put the rain gloves on and I'm just going to get, I'm going to go. And it was the biggest mistake that I ever made <laughs> because while I just let the rain gloves get wet, it was also 40 degrees outside. So now I had my hands were not only covered and wet, but they were freezing because of the cold water. So I was like, I couldn't even feel my hands. And I was, I mean, I literally, I could even barely hold onto the golf club. I'm, I'm amazed that we finished the round, but 
I don't understand how somebody can be a non umbrella guy. I understand if it's like super hot and it's like pouring rain or something like that. And you just have breaks and you don't need to hold it up, but I've got to have the damn umbrella up. I mean, I, he, I, he's I from Southern California. He might not even know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Which, which is kind of surprising. Like when you said he's like the elements don't bother him and he's a non umbrella guy. It's not like he grew up in an area that was, you know, it's not like he grew up in Chicago yeah. or something, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, that's accurate, very accurate. But so, I will say, living in both Arizona and Southern California at a time when it rains, people shut down like they do when it snows in North Carolina. Like they're buying all the water and bread. I mean, it's a, a, <laughs> oh, a hurricane. Don't, don't get me started on that. I'll never forget. Oh, this is uh, obviously a, a E9 tangent right here. Growing up in Massachusetts and going to school in rural South Carolina. My freshman year, we had like an inch of snow and you would have thought they were dropping money from the sky. How excited these people were like <laughs> school was closed for a couple of days. Like the grocery stores were empty. Uh, I'm looking at my my buddy and I who was from Rochester, New York. Him and I are like. These fucking people are crazy. What the it's an interest. It's an interest. snow. what is going on here? Like, <laughs> nobody knows how to drive in it like kids were stealing the trays from the dining hall and going sledding down hills i'm like guys it's an it's an inch of snow what are we doing why don't we have class like i don't get this <laughs> why can't i find bread at the store yeah man snow days growing up were the absolute best you take uh get out on the golf course golf course with your body boards and you take the fins off your surfboards and uh You'd hit the big hill on number six on the golf course I grew up on. It was a big thing. And, and buddy, it wasn't just us. There was like 50, 60 people out there on this one big hill just absolutely getting after it. Yeah, I'm like, guys, we can still <laughs> I can still see grass in some spots. Like, this is nothing. <laughs> talk to me when it's like 14 inches or more, and then we'll talk. Yeah. Um, so I some other things here. On the leaderboard, a lot of interesting storylines. One, I owe an apology to Matthew Fitzpatrick. Told him, I said last week, I wasn't going to pick him anymore because he chips cross-handed. Well, he said, fuck you, Mike, and came in T-second, <laughs> T2. <laughs> uh, so he played great. He's been playing great all year. He's probably playing some of the best golf of his life right now. And uh, Cam Young, another strong week. I think it's his... Maybe his third or his fourth. Um, T2. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Is he cross-handed out of the bunkers? Fitzpatrick? Ooh. Yeah. No way. Oh, I don't know. That'd be really hard. You wouldn't be I'm, able to properly. I that's that's one of the reasons why I'm asking. But yeah, that's that's. We need to, we need to pull up a Fitzpatrick bunker shot on YouTube right now. See if that's a real thing. Yeah, your your best bet to do. Well, this is probably should be talked about off the go to the masters.com. You probably hit a bunker shot right there, right? They show every video of every shot. Luckily, That's I didn't true. delete my app, which <laughs> we have already covered is the best in golf. Yes, by far. So while you're researching, <laughs> while you, while you, someone researched that. Um, but yeah, Cam Young playing great again. Another T2. He was on J&I's DraftKings team. Um, Speaking of, you beat me by one point. Yep. Terrell Hatton. Got one and a half point more than Corey Connors, and I won the DraftKings this week. You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> um, I had four people make the cut and finish dead last. 
Yes, I mean, look at uh, Cam Young. He's had three runner-ups, a third. He's had four total top tens. The guy is playing his ass off. Um, He's missed a couple cuts. Like, well, he missed the Masters, first time playing. I I don't really fault him there. Missed the players, don't fault him there either with the weather. He's um, quickly becoming a a household name this year and, and play well again. And then if I asked you guys who was number one in the field this week in putting, your answer would be? Jeez, no idea. Keegan Bradley. Yeah, spot on. Keegan Bradley. Of all people. He gained a total of 9.7 strokes on the field on the greens this week. Yeah, can you believe that? He didn't didn't make that putt on the last hole. That cost him some change. It cost him a little dough. Or but, you can um, tell that he he has finally gotten that putter figured out. You know, he's always been a good ball striker, but he finally got the short putter. He's gotten a little bit. He's obviously gotten more than just a little bit comfortable with it, but he's um, he's starting to produce. We're seeing the guy starting to contend left and right, and you have to factor that his putting has all of a sudden drastically improved compared to anything that he's done since losing the belly putter. Yeah. So I couldn't believe it when I when I read that stat this morning that he led the field in, in putting. And so yeah, if he can do that, then he's gonna be around the, the lead a ton more. And he's he's trying, he has not qualified for the US Open yet. And so if he would have won, he would have gotten in. Um, I think he's still trying to get, I think if you get top sixty in the world rankings after like in two more weeks, you get in, which is big for him because he grew up in Vermont. Transferred to a high school in Massachusetts. He's a huge Boston sports fan. And with the U.S. Open at Brookline, the country club, he is just jonesing to get there. So I'm, I'm rooting for him to get there just because yeah. he actually played at a high school, a rival high school of, of mine, putting each other in states every year. But, um, yeah, if he, if he can putt, man, look out. He is annoying to watch, though. His pre-shot routine is annoying. He takes forever. You yeah, know, he's starting to get a, a ton of flack uh, uh, about that on, on social media, especially on, on the greens with the whole aim point stuff. And that, that would, I mean, it would, if I were playing with him, it would drive me absolutely bonkers. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But I, like we talked about slow pace stuff, and I know he's not doing it on purpose, but at some point you got to be like, look, you know, why does everybody else have to play at a certain pace, but yet you can just, take as long as you want, you know, kind of with Bryce and DeShane, about the same thing. It's like, come on, dude, that's just, you're just being disrespectful to the other players in the field. I mean, without saying F you to everybody, that's pretty much what you're, what you're doing. So. Yeah. And uh, the other thing is your, your boy, Jay. Back. Who is my back door? Top five, Roy McElroy. It's, you know, hey, just stack them up, dude. Just keep stacking up those. He's going to be the new Tony Fino, isn't he? He makes the stack. cut on the number. He had to par the 18th hole on Friday afternoon and just pissing down rain. Yeah. After he had just bogeyed uh, number 17. I think he might have bogeyed 16 and 17. And then pars 18, makes the cut on the number, and then shoots a, a actually an unbelievable 68 on Saturday. Um, I think it was tied for the low of the day or close to the yeah. low of the day. There's only a few scores, people that broke 70 on on Saturday in that weather. It would 
it wouldn't surprise me if Rory gets ready to get on one of those little Rory runs, you know, where he just is like top five, you know, for a couple first place finishes, second, third, fourth, fifth. I mean, just one after the other top five after that. I mean, he had that one stretch there. I guess it was, was it before they shut everything down in COVID and he had like, had like six or seven straight events. Yeah. He, he was on fire going into five. that. Um, yeah. The COVID shutdown. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's gotten some things figured out. I mean, you know, granted for us as fans, you're like, Oh, here he goes again, playing great when it doesn't matter, but you got to start somewhere. And if you've been, haven't been playing great at all, you know, maybe it, take, it takes a couple, you know, great Sundays to get some momentum going. You're like, Hey, I can do this on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. I don't have to wait till Sunday to shoot eight under par. Um, and if he, if he gets that straight, I don't, I still think that Rory, is one of, if not the most talented guy, a golfer on, on, well, I, I obviously Tiger's here, but he's not the same Tiger. But right now, I think he's one of the most talented guys. Uh, I would put DJ up there with him. And, um, I, I, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, for the last six months, I'd put him up there. I wouldn't say that I would keep him there the whole time, but yeah, I think those guys, if they're on, if they're playing their best, if they're, uh, they're a plus game. Those two guys would have a daggone, you know, knockout, dragout fight because it would be tough to pick one of those two guys. I want Rory back so bad. I love the guy. I'm just losing trust in him. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, Southern Hills probably sets up pretty well for him. Yeah. I'd have to imagine. It's, it's going to set up better for him than the country club will for sure. And he can play. I think you feel like he can play any of those courses over and in um scotland england yeah although as long as he doesn't get too windy he does like to hit the ball high if it does get yeah. crazy windy then then he's out there but i would got i gotta think southern hills was his best chance this year to win a major yeah in, in two weeks um over the, over the other options could be good could be good timing so and then our boy podcast uh friend lanto with a t6 finish minus three nice Nice little week for him. That's good, good week, good check, and just putting together a pretty pretty solid resume for him. So, yeah, I'd, I mean, obviously he's he's a friend of ours, so we they're definitely pulling for him. But it'd be nice to see him get and kind of just like Rory, maybe not on the same level, but just get you know get get a little momentum going and just start spitting out some some top twenties and just get um, you never know you know get get on a run, but. um He's a good guy. He's a fun, fun guy to watch in the sense that like he just never gives up. Like he is always going to give it like every every ounce of detail or uh, attention to detail. He will do it to to give himself the best shot to make a cut. You never know. You make a cut and like Roy did, you you have a great weekend and then there you are in the top top ten. Yep, can open up a lot of doors for you too, for a guy like that. So yeah. Um, anything else on on the Wells Fargo specifically? Or any other no, players? They, Homa. They're one. Is this kind of just one and done because of uh, Quail Hollow being used, right? Or are they going to try to come back here again? No, I, I think it's just a one and done with Quail yeah. Hollow hosting the Presidents Cup this year. They didn't want to host two events, yeah. and so this was just a. This seems to be like one of the fill-in courses for certain things. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I, again, I hope they would come back here, but and because it's close by, I'd love to try to maybe make it up there. I um, was pretty yeah. surprised they didn't go back to Eagle Point. Where Brian Harmon won. I wonder if that was an Eagle yeah, Point was, decision. 
they said that it, that in Eagle Point is just oh, like no. logistically, it's a nightmare getting people in and in and out of that place with that it one is, road that. that goes in. It is that without question. But the golf course that one year they did it, everyone raved at how it was just absolutely immaculate. It was just perfect. Yeah. It all it always is every time I've played yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd have first. I'd have to think the logistics of just the area is is why. I mean, you're talking right outside of Washington D.C. for TPC Potomac. The the amount of yeah, you know. The air travel, the hotels, the places for people to stay, the not like the traffic's any good there, but it's yeah. more than one road. <laughs> yeah, true. So let's get into some of the other news stories. Uh, and there were a few um, all kind of related to some of the other tours and a few of our favorite, favorite people. So where do we want to go? If you want to go Phil, there was some Phil news, not necessarily Saudi tour related Phil news, but Phil news, your boy, the two of your boys, Sergio at it again. And then the PGL sent out a letter. Where, where do you guys want to go first? <laughs> I love Saudis and Sergio. All right, let's go to Sergio. Sergio's at it again. He throws another temper tantrum on the golf course, gets picked up by hot mics. <laughs> and you guys love this guy for some reason. I've been telling you for years, he's a douche and he just showed it again. Now, granted. Okay. So if you, if for some reason you did not see this people, it was all over the place. It's what was this Thursday? Yes. Thursday. First round. He hits a ball uh, kind of left of this Creek or river, whatever you want to call it. And they're looking for it. And the, the, he called it a river. I think, I think he called it a <laughs> river. It- it's a creek. It was about, you know, <laughs> three yards wide. So pretty small fucking river. Um, <laughs> crimier river, Sergio. But <laughs> the, he finds his golf ball and the official says, nope, you found it over the three minutes allotted to find to search for a golf ball. And it came out. I will say this in his defense. It came out. After the round, the PJ Tour said, hey, we messed up. We started the clock too early because they initially gave him a bad spot on where to look for it. And then as he was going to the the real spot to find it, he had to traverse this river in order to get over there to the spot to actually start searching for it. He should have been given longer to find the golf ball, and then he would have found it within the three minutes. So, yes, he could have gotten a bad ruling. And yes, he can still be a douchebag and acted poorly. They can the both things can be true at the same time. Okay. Both he things can be true one. at the same time. And so he, the mic catches him. Um, I can't wait to leave this tour. Can't wait to get out of here just a couple more weeks. And I don't have to deal with you anymore. <laughs> he says. Oh, that, that, that's pretty he, crazy. I mean, it was clear as day. Like he he had to have been known. I mean, he was on the PGA tour live, like featured group. So he knew the cameras and mics were out there. It's clear as day. The camera's right in his face while he's yelling at the guy, essentially. Then of course he does not speak to the media after the round, nor did he speak to the media after the round on Friday and he missed the cut and went home. So I, so I actually wrote down my notes on, on my phone here. Let me go here. The other day, I was just sitting on the couch, just stewing over this. Um, so we can presume he's going to the Saudi tour in a couple of weeks. 
And I guess him and Charlie Hoffman feel like that they're going to have their own set of rules on the Saudi league. They're not going to play by, it's going to be like the XFL. They're going to make up their own rules over there. It's going to be so beneficial to the, um, to the players. Oh, that's right. Slugger white, the former head of PJ tour rules officials is the head rules official for the Saudi league. So Sergio, how different is it going to be? It's the same fucking rules. They're not making up their own new rules. It's the same rules. So you got a bad break. Sorry. <laughs> Officials in every sport have bad calls and make bad calls. It happens. Sorry. The Saudi league's not going to be any different, any better. You're going to go from an independent contractor to an employee of the Saudi government. Yeah. So good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, do you guys remember when he had that temper tantrum in the bunker on the European yeah. tour and, and got DQ'd? That was in Saudi Arabia. Holy shit. I can't believe it. It's all coming full circle. <laughs> like, I, I just, and, and most likely the officials over there are going to probably be less experienced than the PGA Tour officials, the guys that are below Slugger White, which means there's probably more likelihood that they're going to misinterpret something and give a bad ruling over there than the experienced officials we have here on the PGA Tour. So, I, I, I don't know. It's just typical Sergio. I, I think that you know you make that point. I think it's more of the some of the PGA officials, they want to get involved and make sure they they have a play or a part of what's going on. They their egos get in the way and like, hey, j- just officiate or just be be a, a, a reference in case the need, you know, the guys need something or need a ruling. You don't have to interject and show everybody how smart you are, like by starting the clock early. Um so while he said those things, I don't know. It's it's up to for interpretation. I don't know. I think he was just saying, you know, I'm, maybe I'm ready to get out of here so I can get to some more normalcy because some of these, you know, some of these officials and they, a lot of them do. I'm not saying that they will be better on the Saudi tour, but he he could have had plenty of experiences where he felt that way on the PGA tour. But needless to say, I don't think he should have said that, but I wouldn't have said that. But I could see why he he was pissed. I would have been extremely pissed in that situation. And I probably would have said something to one of the officials. And I probably would have said something that I didn't mean. Because, yeah, I mean, it it's no different no different than getting a ruling. Say you're watching your, your favorite team on TV and they get a bad ruling. What do you do? You scream at the TV. Yeah. And I get nothing and wrong Alex, with that's him. What people do. I got nothing wrong with him being upset at the bad ruling. That's fine. You can be upset. But to, to act like the Saudi league is going to be so much better and there's not going to be any issues over there. And they're going to treat us so much better. It's like, no, that's a fucking pipe dream. It's like the grass isn't greener. Like you're talking, you're going to a startup league that doesn't have a TV deal yet is run by Greg Norman. They haven't really put out all the details yet. And we're less than a month away from the first event. Like, yeah, there's going to be no hiccups over there, Sergio. It's just going to run fucking perfectly smooth. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this accidentally he, turned. I, into don't, I didn't. I didn't listen. I didn't hear it as that. I just heard it as like frustration. It was like he's ready to get out of here. I don't know if he all of that was wrapped into that one comment, but um, but no. I mean, that's you can you can make that that assessment. But I love him. I think he's awesome. Oh God, Jesus! <laughs> you guys, such a uh, pud. he is such a pud. All he does I mean, is it's like, well, what's the difference between what's the difference between Jordan Spieth and 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 Sergio when it comes to their antics into, into the mics? I mean, they because both do the same because kind Ser- of Ser- Sergio 
always blames other people. He always plays the victim. It's the golf gods. It's this. It's the bad rulings. It's it's shut. No, you fucking suck. And you're an underachiever. Right. Let's let's just be honest. OK, Jordan Spieth, he whines about himself in his golf game and he's not really doesn't play the victim. He kind of is more self-deprecating. Sergio is like, oh, God, woe is me. Like, come on, dude. So the, the, this keeping his confidence up. The Saudi golf league. Let's just go through some of these names real fast. So now Martin mm-hmm. Ka- Martin Keimers is is in that that name came out today. Lee Westwood, Sergio. They're talking about Ian Poulter. You know, obviously you got Kokrak, Phil. It's essentially a group of douchebag underachievers. <laughs> can, you, can we just be honest? Almost all those guys I just listed off are douchebags, and almost all of them are underachievers in their careers. So and and or. And or so, it's like, yeah, yeah. Good job, Saudi Arabia. You got everyone that no, that nobody, nobody likes. Like, congrats. <laughs> Washed up all the Europeans that yeah, never but, amounted but, to what they thought they were going to amount to. I think th- this definitely is going to turn into like, a, I don't want to say washed up, but like guys, guys that are past their prime. And then, then a couple young guys that maybe don't have this is like the best option that they probably won't ever get to that point. You know, it's like it's worth taking yeah. the chance here to, for the payout. And then the guys who they're on the tail end of their careers, like what else am I going to do? Am I going to play in the states when I'm from Europe? It's a lot easier for me to stay over here and play for more money, less competition. Yeah. How many total total events are they going to have? So this year there's eight. Seven dates and courses have been listed. Their eighth one is to be determined. I can't even find a golf course, Sergio, but don't worry. The rules will be awesome. Um, I mean, can you imagine being able to being able to take your schedule down four to five events and make the same or potentially more money? Yeah, but they're also talking about it going up to more like f- 14 to 18 events in a couple of years. Like yeah, they're starting at eight this 23, year. 27 events for a lot of these guys that we're going to see playing in these yeah. tournaments. Um, so if you have the opportunity, all I'm saying is I understand the attractiveness to a lot of the young pros. And certainly as a cash grab for a couple of the old vets who can all of a sudden go play in a watered down field and have a chance to cash out a couple extra shekels toward the end of their career. Yeah, it just seems cheap. Good for you. You beat fucking Richard Bland. Awesome. And the ghost of Lee Westwood, like the biggest choking (laughs) dog out there. And like, oh, yeah, Ian Poulter. But if I did it for five million dollars, I'd feel pretty damn good about it. I I know. But (laughs) don't you play sports to compete and be the best and like. Or you just professionally, I play easy, them to easy, make money. Easy professionally. check. That's that's actually the easy, whole reason. Easy check sounds awesome. Yeah, the whole reason someone is a professional. Yeah, but that I just as a, as an athlete and a competitor, I I now think less of you as a person. <laughs> that's okay. My bank account thinks more of me. I'm pretty happy with my decision. Well, that's not what it's all about, though. <laughs> it's not, but it's certainly attractive. I mean, then like Sergio's like bitching to mom about the PGA Tour. Dude, you've made $50 million on the PGA Tour. Like, oh, man. Yeah, the PGA yeah. Tour is so bad to me. Not to mention your fame from the PGA Tour, how much endorsements it's, it's made you. Like, shut the hell up, dude. Like, Eamon Lynch, who has just been all over this Saudi league and Norman, and I'm starting to love the guy more and more. He wrote an article, and he says, we finally have a reason to root for the Saudi league. They will take Sergio Garcia from us. <laughs> Who is this douchebag? Amen. I do not like watching Sergio play. Come on, just look at him. It's just, geez. 
God, he swings it so good, man. I I would I would watch Sergio if 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 he had his microphone off, I would watch him all day. And he doesn't even his he doesn't bother me as much. But if I had to watch Jordan Spieth all day, I would turn the TV off. I would not watch <laughs> golf anymore if I had to watch him play with. I just I I think he's an awesome guy. I think he really is a good guy. I just don't like watching him play. Uh, I don't like watching him swing. I don't really like I don't like listening to him. I don't like any of it. But he's he's good. I just I don't know. It's not fun. See, I I think it is fun. I think he's electric because he hits the ball all over the place and then he holds out from 40 yards for birdie. And it's like, whoa, how the hell did you just make a birdie on that hole? Like, uh, that's yeah. fun. I mean, I guess to each their own. That's not fun to watch. I don't want to watch that. Or you can watch just Sergio watch Sergio hit awesome drives and then make bogey from the middle of fairway. That's fine. That's fun, too, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, it does happen. You can, you can watch him miss the hole from three feet. That's fun. Well, Jordan Speed's not much better there. Yeah, that's fine. Good, good point. So, anyways, yeah, that was kind of a more of a mass hold minute on Sergio in the Saudi tour. <laughs> I, I got to come it. up with some sort of a new acronym for their tour, something about douchebags and underachievers, but that's essentially what it is. <laughs> a douchebag and underachiever tour. I will say they have more players than I thought. And you know but, what? It's it's fucking perfect because Greg Norman's the commissioner of it, a douchebag and underachiever. Like, how good is that? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, it's two, so two good. majors in 300, 300 plus weeks at number one. That's underachiever. I mean, I guess if he gets much better, he would be the best player, one of the best players of all time. Should he have one more majors? Yeah, underachiever. Had, should, could he have one more? Yeah, I think he got he got sniped on a couple of them. Yeah, and he fucking no choked doubt. his ass off on a couple of them too. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say he choked. I mean, he had two guys chip in, one from the bunker, and one one on eleven at, at Augusta. Like if he just misses it a little bit, he chips into the freaking water, and they both chip it in. I mean, under I wouldn't douche. say underachiever. Douchebag. I mean, he, he maybe is, he maybe could be a little douchey these days, but underachiever. I don't know. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it. Underachieving douchebag. Underachieving douchebag tour. I'm gonna, you gotta going. be both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, going on the uh, douchebag uh, theme here, Phil. So uh, Alan Shipnuck put out a. Um, excerpt from his upcoming book about Phil, and we've talked about Phil and Shipnook, and this is basically where all the all the shit started was the Shipnook quote um, from Phil back in in November, and so his book's coming out actually goes on sale Tuesday of, of PGA Championship week, and so he put out some information and some nuggets, and there's a few here uh, that are just unbelievable. Uh, one is that. Him and Bones split over money. Bones basically oh, really? Bones quit because he was owed a couple hundred thousand dollars in unpaid fees from Phil. And Phil was just saying, no, I'm not paying you. Yeah, and I don't know all the details, but it ended with Bones because Phil wasn't paying him. So that's how that, and then, you know, they played it up in the media as just an amicable, amicable split or whatever. And that's just the, the PR train that is Mickelson and his team. Bones just in a good spot right now, though. Bones is in a great spot. He's got 
NBC paying him and JT paying him. So yeah. it's it's worked out for him. But you I know. haven't heard any 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 negative, you know, negative things on Bones. I haven't, no. I think it sounds like everybody, all the players liked him. You know, they I guess maybe when you're paired up next to Phil, you look like you're the coolest guy on the planet, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if you're hanging around Phil all the time, you're like, oh man, I'll talk to you, Bones. I'm not talking to Phil. <laughs> so I'm reading but, here. Um money was a big factor in Mickelson's uh bust up with career long caddy Jim Bones. Um Bones had fired Phil at the 2017 Memorial over a series of simmering grievances, which are laid out in the book you have to buy. Um, And then it says, including hundreds of thousands of dollars in overdue back pay that he owed Bones. Hmm. Hmm. I'm curious if I'm curious if he's if he's gotten that in some form or fashion. And then I'll say it's worked out a lot better for him where he is now leaving when he did having JT's bag is going to pay much better than Phil's is at this point. If we're just looking at earnings and what you're making off of that, I don't know what his deal with Phil Phil was, you know, yearly, uh, you know, kind of the old tiger million dollars a year gig. But I mean, I'm sure it was pretty solid. It may not have been quite that, but I'm sure it was pretty close to that. Um, so, you know, and, and when we talk about a couple hundred thousand dollars, could have been two months pay. It might not be, you know, an, an astronomical time period that has passed when you're earning money at the clip that they do. Yeah, I think most of these guys are on the big guys with the big players are on some sort of retainer for the yeah. year and yeah. then percentages of winning. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jay. I think it's technically like most times it's like 10% for a win like 7% for a top five and then 5% for make made cut, I think is kind of a standard yeah, rate out there. Roughly. Some, some would do 7% for a top 10. Um, but yeah, top 7% top 10, oh, 10% for a win and then 5% for a made cut. Made cut yeah. And then whatever your, whatever your weekly, weekly rate is or your daily rates and depending on how the guys did it. But yeah. 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 So, um, I thought that was interesting. That this this line jumped out at me. Um, where am I? I just lost my spot. Oh yeah, Shipnick says he spent his his career alternately charming, conjoling, manipulating, and bullying reporters. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem untrue at all. No, I mean, it seems like a. <laughs> it seems pretty factual That's, to me. Yeah. <laughs> But I think you know it's funny. We watched, we watched, um, <laughs> we watched, uh, um, uh, Happy Gilmore with the boys. It probably shouldn't have watched it. I've got a nine year old and a six year old, so yeah, I might have been a little aggressive I, I to, with them. I had to pause some of the language, like just tell them to back it off. But they they know what a Happy Gilmore swing is. So they're like, I'm, they're like, this is where this started, and I was like, yeah, that's where that came from. But, um, shooter in the movie. Just makes me. I mean, he's not. Phil's not quite as douchey as that guy, but it's. They just they seem like the same kind of person to me. I just think it's so funny. Well, yeah, or the David um, Sims character in Tin Cup. It's in, in Tin Cup, yeah, very much the same thing. Yeah. But, so, um, the biggest news bombshell, I guess you could say that that dropped in this is Phil had forty million dollars 
in gambling losses from 2010 to 2014 that came out when um, I think this is when he came out when he was getting investigated for insider trading. His buddy there, Billy Walters, ended up going into prison for the insider trading. The FBI pulled Mickelson aside after a round of golf. I think it was at the Memorial back then. And yeah, it is. He had, I guess, in an audit of his finances, he had gambling losses totaling more than $40 million in a four-year period. Jeez. In in those years that he had those $40 million, his earnings were estimated at $40 million a year. But then by the time you take out taxes, da 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 and he's just talking about this, this luxurious lifestyle he lives, planes, mansions, personal chef, pilots, trainers. Um, something about he got, bought an actual T-Rex skull for a birthday present. Just talking about the crazy things he would buy and spend money on. It's like, no wonder why he wants to go to Saudi Arabia. He doesn't have any money. You know, they talked about he sold his plane a couple of years ago, and that was like his child. How much he he used to talk about and love his plane, these guys say. And he sold his plane off to get some cash a couple of years ago. So, well, was I know you guys remember that? Um, well, there's the Ryder Cup year where Hal Sutton was the was the uh, captain, and there was a bunch of talk that Phil Callaway paid off some of the um, some of his gambling debt as part of his the, the sponsorship deal. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any, any truth to that, but no, that was always the rumor that he had massive amounts of gambling debt and Callaway called him and said, we'll pay off your debt. And it was like three and a half to five million somewhere in there. We're going to pay that off for you, but you got to play Callaway clubs. And so he's like, okay, you know, that rumor has been around right, forever. It was, yeah, right it was before like the Ryder two Cup. weeks before the Ryder cup. And then Hal Sutton also makes a decision to pair him with tiger. What a nightmare that was. That did not work out well. <laughs> These two guys, you, the looks that the looks that Tiger was giving after Phil would hit those balls out of play. I mean, that Tiger one on the 18th so... hole, I remember he blew it. He like shoves it way left. He blocks it up against the fence in the alternate shot Tiger. format. And the glare that Tiger gives him on the tee box, like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? I have to go over there and hit that now? Like. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And the dumb thing is, people don't realize, I don't think people remember this. Hal Sutton did it back-to-back days. He put them together twice. The first time failed miserably and tried to do it again. It made no fun. Damn, really? Yeah. They played together in two that. matches that year. That's right. He did do that. Yeah, it was 04. <laughs> what was it, Oakland Hills? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. What do you guys make of the, the Phil gambling? I think it's it's not totally surprising. We've all heard he's a massive gambler, yeah. but forty million dollars. First of all, dude, man, make better picks. Like, wow, you're bad at gambling. Holy shit! Like, my daughter yeah. could do better than that. Doing a <laughs> just, just closing her eyes and just, just closing her eyes. Teams. Like, you remember that Seinfeld episode where Costanza went against his his um, instinct and did everything the opposite he normally would do. Phil, that's what you need to do. That's what you need to do. If you like, if you like the Broncos minus six, take the other team. Like, just take the other team. Just do the complete opposite of what you think. That's the first thing. I was like, wow, you're bad at gambling for someone who gambles so much. We're going to lose $40 million. 
Holy shit. That's yeah, that's damn, that's a lot of money. <laughs> just think, <laughs> think of all the people in our <laughs> in this country that could just use just a little portion of that. <laughs> oh man. And it went to some bookie. Yeah. <clears throat> some guy with a baseball bat and yeah, that's right. <laughs> Joey and Jimmy, the two uh, bouncers out there, standing outside with Louisville sluggers, waiting for them to. <laughs> That's right. So, um, and then I guess the other other little bit of news: um, the Premier Golf League, the PGL, came out with a letter to all every member of the PGA Tour, every voting member, and just again, kind of laying out there their pitch of becoming, you know, a part of the PGA tour and given um, a portion of the ownership to all players on the PGA tour, corn Ferry tour, DP world tours. Uh, and just, you know, it was, it was like, here are your two options. A own 50% of the PGL and make uh, $20 million um, each $2 million up front. Uh, with a further $1 billion of value to be shared between members of the corn Ferry and DP world tours, or you could do nothing and leave live golf to generate that value. While the two oldest tours uh, contemplate a full merger that would sever uh, or severe, sorry, serve neither membership. And then it goes on and it has a response. I guess Rory responded and they hired a company to do an audit uh, the valuation of the PGL, and they said uh, it was not feasible. He goes, they said you'd need to create 20 Ryder Cups a year from now until then to get to that number. And the PGL goes on to say, uh, in the corporate world, this is technically known as bullshit. But then again, <laughs> Allen and company has never spoken to us, nor had access to the information it would be required in order to produce an accurate uh, valuation. So they're, they're still trying you know, to, to be partnered with the PJ tour, it sounds like they're getting a little annoyed and, and pissed off at it. So we'll see where this goes. They can yeah, easily that sounds just... like a last desperate attempt. They're banking on their entire, uh, survival on a partnership with a tour that doesn't really want much to do with them. No. And doesn't need them. I mean, doesn't need them. Doesn't want anything to do with them. Yeah. They need to rethink their sales pitch there. Yeah, it was an inter- interesting way. If if they feel like they're losing it, to kind of come out this strong is a little, maybe a little overplayed. Yeah. But yeah, so. I, I would like to see it somehow work out. I think that whole um, that whole team kind of concept could be fun to watch. Just different, you know. Different well, I, I just like how not only is it going to get it would it get the top forty eight guys together, and it would change up the format of what we see on a, on a week to week basis, but it's also going to benefit the other guys. Yeah. Right? It would benefit the other tours. It would benefit the guys who aren't in the top 48 or the guys on the yeah. corn Ferry tour to make a little bit more money. It yeah. wouldn't. Cause I, I think if, if live golf survives, it hurts the PGA tour. It hurts the corn Ferry tour. They're going to have less and less, less money. It's just going to hurt those guys yeah. where I think this would actually benefit those guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's if if well, their numbers are accurate, you are you are correct about at least the situation with the feeder tours, because without 
um, or with this, what is it? PGL? Is that what it is? With the PGL's plan, it includes those and adds value to those leagues or tours, I should say. Um, on the Saudi side, there is no mention of generating better feeder opportunities, which as a whole hurts the sport because you have to have developmental opportunities for yes. players out there to move forward. Or what ends up happening is that the tour is not as deep. You know, the tour right now is deeper than it has ever been. And that's because of the advanced opportunity of feeder tours and having players that are still able to carve out a small living and chase it. Whereas the PGA tour years ago, and my dad always talked about this back in the day, he, when he left the tour, he made the decision to be a club pro because financially that was the next best opportunity for him. There wasn't Hooters tour and, and a bunch of different opportunities where you could go out there and still carve it out. And obviously he didn't choose to leave because he still had his card. Uh, unfortunately he didn't keep his card and his next best opportunity was getting into the club professional rankings, which is what he did. And that's what you saw a ton of guys do. So it, it's uh it's definitely something to consider when it when you look at the overall what's better for the professional sport. And if you're pulling players out of those feeder opportunities, it diminishes the quality of the premier tour that you have. And I don't mean premier, premier golf league, but in, in, in your top tiered tour being the PJ yep. tour for this example. Yeah, it just it really just only it just adds a step. Like if you're a corn fairy guy and you want to make it the PJ tour. Okay, well, now you just got to make it to the PGA Tour, and then you got to make it to the PGL, right? You're, you're kind of adding a step, but they're already trying to achieve that anyways. They're trying to be a top 50 player in the world just because of what you get with that ranking. You get into pretty much every event there is in the t- if you're a top 50 player in the world. So, yeah, I, again, I, th- I think it's better for the entire game of golf. One, I think it would be a good entertainment product, the PGL, but I also think it would not hurt the rest of the game of golf and it would improve where the Saudi breakoff league, I just think is is bad for the game. But- it's going to be a cash grab and the fallout is going to be very interesting. I mean, it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see because if it doesn't work, we're going to have a bunch of players looking for somewhere to play. And what is the PGA Tour's response to that? Do they, do they hold steady? They steadfast in their decision or do we see some backpedaling to help enhance their brand? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something's got to come to a head here soon, at least with this alleged live golf event, just a few weeks away. Um, Although we've only heard six or seven names leaked and they still don't have a TV deal. Um, There's all kinds of rumors regarding that and that they're just going to like offer it up to anyone for free. What to play? No, no, there to, is to there broadcast is, going to broadcast it. Like there's no, no there rights. is there is some TV deals in place. Um, it is with the same brand that works with the PGA Tour. I can't remember the name of this brand, but they're out of. Uh... God, yeah, I, I, I heard that last week, and then I just read. I should have saved it. Um, I I saw it on Twitter earlier that they said they're going to offer it up to anyone with no rights fees. So I don't know if that's just a another leak or rumor or well, there's there's been so many different articles out there i because I yeah, nobody knows what i read because it sounds like there's been future developments so it's uh this is an utter shit show again underachieving douchebag league <laughs> enjoy it people <laughs> let's uh let's let's get into the byron nelson 
And so our, is that the UDBGA? Uh, the Underachieving U, the Douchebag U, Golf Association? I think, yeah, underachieving. Is that one word? Is that a hyphenated word? Underachiever? Underachieving? It's no hyphen. No hyphen? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, work, I'm workshopping this. This is on the fly. I'm, I'm coming up with this one. UGDBA, yeah. <laughs> I got my new card, UGDBA. Um, I'm so right though. It is. It's a bunch of underachieving douchebags. It's uh. <laughs> um. All right, Byron Nelson, AT and T. Byron Nelson. Uh, this is at TPC Craig Ranch. It's not at Colonial, where I did 30 or 40 of minutes of my research and picked a team thinking they were playing Colonial this week. Then had to delete my entire team and pick a new one when I figured out I was researching the wrong course and past history. That would be in a couple of weeks at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So TPC Craig Ranch, this event has bounced around a bunch over the years. Hasn't really found a solid home. Um, it did host this event last year. K.H. Lee was the winner. And so, but it is a great field. A uh, bunch of the top 15 players in the world, probably half of them or so, are in the field. And Jay, you know this course well from uh, Q School. It's pretty long but it's wide open from my understanding it's kind of hit it all over yeah. the place it's going to be a birdie fest yeah they're going to light it up again it's just and it's going to be hot i think it's like going to be in the 90s so i can't Oof. imagine they can keep the keep the greens but so firm so I, i'd imagine they'll be have a little bit of softness to them just to keep them keep them going so early in the season so i mean I don't know. It's just not a, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard when you play it in, you know, like I mentioned earlier, it's hard when you play it, uh, you know, in November at, you know, cold weather and rain, but when the, when the sun's out and it's warm, the guys are just going to just blast away. It was a 20, 20 plus under par last year. Yeah. I forget what the, yeah, it was 22, 23, something like that. I think so. Yeah. It'll be, uh, sorry, 25 under Jeez. 263 total. Woof, man. So who wants to, uh, who wants to go first? I've got my team right here and ready to go. All right, let's go. All right. Top of the pecking order. Jay's favorite person in the world. Jordan speed. <laughs> it's so funny that now I've become like a Jordan speed hater. And I really, I don't hate Oh yeah. Guys. No, we're getting, like we're getting custom play. hats and shirts, head covers, a full, the full <laughs> marketing get up you're gonna love it all the promotional items in the world moving down from jordan spieth at ten thousand one hundred. uh moving to old willie z mr zalatoris um i i don't know i i didn't do my research so i don't have a whole lot to tell about each person in their history at tpc craig ranch um i'm just shooting from the hip on these so uh bear with me audience you always seem to uh moving <laughs> south from there mr taylor gooch guy who's been playing well this year um and then from the west texas slinger himself uh ryan palmer i also have no idea if he's actually from west texas but because of 10 cup i always <laughs> want to relate him to that so i call him the west texas slinger he's probably like dude i'm from fucking houston what are you talking about i have no idea i'm, I'm looking it up right now actually okay that's I fantastic really want to know where he's from fantastic uh, moving down from there, number 10 in the President's Cup rankings at 7,300. This has got to be the best value pick out there. Uh, Tom Hoagie, which I was surprised to see him down that low. And then rounding out my team, the uh, 
uh, human ATM making cuts and just getting by Mr. Charles Howell, the third CH three 7,200 bucks, another good value pick someone who I just expect to kind of make the cut finish top 40 to top 25. And when you can go with your lowest dollar amount and kind of feel like ah, this guy's got a really good chance of making the cut. I feel like it's a good pick. So, so Ryan, Ryan Palmer was born in, uh, where am I here? In the, the panhandle, the Northwestern, the panhandle part that sticks up. So I, I don't know if that's considered West Texas, Amarillo, Texas. Oh, Amarillo is absolutely West Texas. Is that West, yeah, Texas? West, West Texas slinger. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds as Northwest West Texas. Texas slinger. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that doesn't sound as mouthful. good. No, yeah, that, that doesn't sound as good. But Amarillo sounds as West Texas as it comes. From a- I've been to Amarillo. I've driven through it. And it's Amarillo, yeah. not Amarillo. Amarillo. <laughs> Whatever. Amarillo. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to go since I don't know what it is. Fucking McLean picked half my team. Uh, last last week Jay picks five of the six. This week McLean picks three of the six. So I do have Mr. Jordan Spieth, everyone's favorite. Mm-hmm. He's not going to berate a rules official. He's just going to outwardly <laughs> outwardly express frustrations with his game. I then have Will Zalatoris, um, another Texas boy, just going to hit a great, going to make a ton of birdies with that great putting, silky smooth putting stroke of his. Then have Taylor Gooch as well, playing well. Um, again, no major major flaws. His last event was a few weeks ago at the Masters, but it was a T15. So I like Gooch. Then I go down to uh, Seamus Power. Uh, I picked him last week and it did not work out well, but he's going to have a bounce back week. I'm going to pick him again. I just like his game. Uh, potentially windy there in Texas. So we'll go Seamus Power, $7,900. And I'm going down to Scott Stallings, $7,000. Uh, finished T3 at this venue last year. He's a guy that can light up the scorecard with birdies and a birdie fest. He can put up a 62, um, 63, 62 in a heartbeat. So like Stallings. And then don't really know why, but Wyndham Clark is my last pick. Um, not playing terrible this year, made a bunch of cuts and he can get it going too with how well he hits it. I think being a little bit more of a wide open course will help Wyndham. So that's my squad. Not really crazy in love with it because my research was on a different golf course, but I'm ready to go for the Charles Schwab challenge in a few weeks. Um, (laughs) So yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Sweet. Um, nice. I, I've got a couple, um, duplicate entries there with you guys, but, um, I'm going to start from the bottom here at 7,100. I got Mr. Patton Kazire. Um, he's, he's actually played pretty, pretty solid, you know, nothing spectacular, but a bunch of like top thirties and, um, had, had a top 10 at the waste management. Um, but a bunch of cuts, you know, made back to back other than the, the Valero miscut. So, and he did happen to finish third here last year. So he does, uh, he does like it. And he's, I think he's been to Q school there a couple of times too. So he, he knows the place. Um, then I jump up to Mr. Sepp Straka. Um, <clears throat> kind of up and down. He's had a bunch of really good finishes and then some bad finishes. So he had a bad finish last week and shot six or finished six, 66th and um, I'm hoping this is the rebound week for him didn't play um, too poorly here last year I think he finished like 20 26th maybe 26th. last year or something like that 26th yeah um, 
So I think, you know, like I said, it's just trying to make some cuts in this and get some points. Uh, but then I jump up to 7,700 Davis Riley. Um, he, it's kind of similar situation. looks like he knows how to make a bunch of birdies uh, with that 62 that he had at uh, Valspar earlier in the year. Um, and then, you know, last week at the Mexico Open 65. So I like that he can get hot in this place. You're going to need to make some birdies, um, which is another reason why I picked the next guy on the list here, uh, Jonathan uh, Jonathan Vegas. Been playing really solid this year. I mean, the last, you know, four events, he's one top five, a couple top 20s, and a top 30. So, I mean, he's been playing some good golf. And um, he's one of those guys that can shoot some shoot some low numbers too. He had a T9 here last year too. T9 here last year. Exactly. Um, and then I am going to jump up to Mr. Zalatoris, which uh, you guys all have. So that's really not going to help anyone here. If we all have them, but I do think that, uh, I do think he'll have a good week. Uh, he's a great ball striker and the green should be really good, but not super fast. And I feel like, uh, for him, it gives him an opportunity to make some more, more of those 10 to 20 footers. Cause we know he's not going to make the, the close ones, mm-hmm. but if you've got really good, nice greens and he's got, it gets a bunch of 10 to 15, 20 footers. He has a chance to roll him in. His stroke actually isn't that bad from outside of 10 feet. No, it's, it's like a different person. It's like a completely different. Yeah. Completely different person. It's crazy. But um, anyway, I, I have a feeling he'll have a, he'll have a good, uh, a good week. I don't know what he did here last year, even if he played in the, the tournament last year. Uh, T17 here last year. 17th. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I am going to go with uh, my boy, Sammy Burns. Good pick. Um, been playing some good golf. Obviously, one uh, at Valspar. Hasn't played since uh, the Masters, uh, so only one term in the last you know, two months, really. But he finished uh, second here last year, I think. So, you know, again, knows the track um, and, and can light it up. So I didn't even use my full – allotment i just those are the guys that i wanted yeah so i don't i got three, i don't almost, dollars to spare. yeah i almost never use the full allotment i usually have a couple hundred bucks to spare yeah but i i I'm pick, pick who you like that. pick who you like yeah right so all right gents anything else from you guys no nope, let's get your track shoes on let's watch 27 under par this week yeah it'll I'm probably calling. be a little, little bit different than what we'll see next week at the uh, PGA. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I did hear Scotty Scheffler lit up Southern Hills. I oh, read really? briefly. I didn't see exactly what it was, but apparently he was there um, for some prep, and I heard he absolutely lit it up. I know Spieth and JT were there today. JT posted a, a picture. They were playing a practice round today. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and we'll we'll enjoy TPC Craig Ranch this week. McLean, good job staying sober. And we'll see everyone next week. <laughs> <All right>. Later. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers.